We are in Alma 25 and 26. And the two things that I felt impressed to center around is in 25, we really have the whole chapter is a validation or a verification of the principle that God backs his prophets and that every word they say will come true. And I can remember as um, growing up in our home, as my parents taught us this truth, really struggling to understand this and to and saying to my mom, but how do we know that if we follow the prophet, he'll never lead us astray? How can you be sure of that? And her saying, because the Lord would remove him, he would be destroyed. He would put another in his place. And me and my little kid mind thinking, oh, really? I mean, are we sure that we're going to hang all of our trust on one man, a human man? And um, I love that 25, as I got older and read the scriptures, it's obvious. It's, it's validated a million ways in the scriptures. And we have the promise he'll verify the truth of all things by two or three witnesses. And we have tons. But this is a chapter that very much verifies that truth. And I love that it's verifying the truth of Abinadi. It's taken us this long to get to the fulfillment of the prophecies that Abinadi gave. And in verse 4 it says, And among the Lamanites who were slain were almost all the seed of Amulon and his brethren, who were the priests of Noah, and they were slain by the hands of the Nephites. And this is after the Lamanites with the Amalekites and Amlonites come against the anti-Nephi-Lehi's and they don't have great success. So they turn on other lands and start to destroy them. And so here is where they're destroying the seed of Amulon, which was prophesied by Abinadi. And then we also have in verse 8, Now this martyrdom caused many of their brethren should be stirred to anger, and there began to be contention in the wilderness. And the Lamanites began to hunt the seed of Amulon and his brethren and began to slay them. And it goes on in this chapter to describe that. And the other thing I love that it describes is that more joined the anti-Nephi-Lehi's through these horrible wars and destruction that good comes of it and that's really having an eternal perspective and trusting that God has a plan and so I love that that's in there too and one of the verses in 12 um this is the words that Abinadi said to them in verse 12 it says and he said which is Abinadi to the priests of Noah that their seed should cause many to be put to death in like manner as he was which was by fire and that they should be scattered, which is happening, abroad and slain, even as sheep having no shepherd are driven and slain by wild beasts. And now behold, the words were verified, for they were driven by the Lamanites and they were hunted and smitten. So I love that. I love that that story that happened chapters before, hundreds of years before, or, or maybe not that long, but a long time ago, we have the verification, the validation of that truth that we are taught that if we follow the prophet, his words will be, they will, his prophecies will come true. And so I love that. Okay. And so again, it goes and it talks about the anti-Nephi-Lehi's at the end of this chapter. And one of the things that I really love is in 16, they kept the law of Moses. The law of Moses did serve to strengthen their faith in Christ. And thus they did retain a hope through faith. And I thought of that. We, our covenants and our commandments we are given serve to strengthen our hope and our faith in Christ. And they are to focus us on him. It is all 
about Christ and his coming and living with him again and honoring our covenants to him. So I love that we have that in 16 and 17. That's exactly what it was about for the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. And the thing that I have written at the bottom of here is God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. And so the thing that I would ask in your come follow me is what is something that the Lord has told you personally in your life? What is something he has promised in your life if you wake up and honor your covenants and every day pray to become more like him and repent of the things that we do wrong? What is something he has promised? And that might be in a patriarchal blessing. That might be in a blessing you received from a priesthood holder. That might be just something personally through prayer that you have felt inspired. And so I would ask, what is something that God has told you in your own life? Because God is a God of truth and he will verify everything that he has promised if we keep our covenants and especially you could even ask what is something he has promised through the prophets and apostles in last conference so that's just a good thing to remind ourselves because he will keep those promises all right 26 really centers on being an instrument in the hands of god and that that is the greatest gift that we can be given and i want to start in verse three and this is ammon who is talking to his brethren and he says um let's see if you jump down and this is a blessing which has been bestowed upon us that we have been made instruments in the hands of god to bring about this great work and then he goes on thousands have been brought into the fold of god verse four five that famous scripture the field is ripe ready and thrust in your sickle and behold the number and that's awesome and i love these promises in verse six this is something that's really important to look at that a storm cannot penetrate them neither will they be driven by fierce winds they have aligned themselves with god so they now have god's protection and power and so i love that in verse six and then seven just really dovetails right in with that they are in the hands of the lord they are his and i love that that is beautiful and then in eight blessed be the name of our god let us sing his praise and give thanks to his name forever and what i love about that is he even talks about in verse nine can you imagine if we hadn't have come they would still be strangers to god these thousands of Lamanites who we love as our brethren. Can you imagine if we hadn't have come? And then I love that Aaron in verse 10, you know, this rebukes him and says, okay, okay, enough. Really? Oh my gosh, you're getting carried away. You think we're all that in a bag of chips. It's all about us. And I love that Ammon fixes that right here in verse 11 and the whole rest of the chapter. I do not boast in my own strength, nor in my own wisdom, but behold, my joy is full. My heart is brim with joy, and I will rejoice in my God. And then this is what I really think this all centers about. I will boast in my God, for in his strength I can do all things. That's verse 12. You know that. Verse 13. How many thousands of our brethren hath he loosed from the pains of hell? 14. The Most High God, we will praise him forever. 16. Therefore, let us glory. We will glory in the Lord. We will rejoice. And then this is the key. Who can glory too much in the Lord? Can we give too much gratitude to God? Is it possible for us to be too gracious in saying what he has done for us? It is not. Um, even keeping 
my gratitude journal, I know I don't scratch the surface of comprehending all that the Lord is doing in my life. And so I really love that phrase right there, who can glory too much in the Lord. There is such a key to gratitude. I love that when Lehi leaves Jerusalem, they immediately build this altar of stone and give thanks. And we have that pattern starting right with that story throughout the entire Book of Mormon, that men of God who are close to God offer gratitude and thanks, even in the midst of trial and hardship. They are constantly offering their gratitude to the Lord. And there is an eternal truth in that. There are blessings that are poured out upon us when we recognize the Lord's hand. And even, I think, twice as much in the midst of trial when we are still focused on giving our gratitude. And so I love that. Okay, and then in verse 15, he says, Do you remember um, the darkest abyss that these our brethren were in? But he brought them to the light. And then 17, he goes to... Don't you remember what our life was like? He has snatched us from our sinful and our polluted state. We went forth in wrath, trying to destroy the church of God. And then 19, why did he save us? And I just love that he details that for his brothers in comparison with these anti-Nephi-Lehi's. Don't you remember this horrible, awful state we were in? And now look where we are. And then I love in 22 that he details how we get the power of God in our life and get to turn our lives to him and be used by him. And he says in 22, he that repents and exercises faith and brings forth good works and prays continually without ceasing unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God and then you can be used by God to help spread that to other people. And I love that. And I think the reason that I so love this chapter and I so love his rejoicing is it is a choice. And Alma and his brethren could have chosen to focus on all the hard things they went through. And in this chapter, we have those detailed. And so I want to go to that in 27. Now, when our hearts were depressed and we were about to turn back, behold, the Lord comforted us and said, go amongst thy brethren and bear with patience thine afflictions and I will give you success. And here's their afflictions. If you jump to 29 and 30, we have been cast out, mocked, spit upon, smote upon the cheeks, have been stoned, taken and bound with strong cords, cast into prison. Through the power and wisdom of God, we have been delivered again. He's focusing on the fact that God has delivered them again and again. Not the fact that they've been captured and tormented and had all these hard things happen again and again. And then in verse 30, and we have suffered all manner of afflictions and all this that perhaps with this brief glimpse of joy and hope that we might be the means of bringing some few to salvation. And I love that, that their goal, just even one, if they could just even help one, but no, their 
harvest is immense and incredible. And I love that he details that here for us, how hard it was, because it is such an example that it is our choice what we are going to focus on. When we are in the midst of all of these hard things that we are going through and that we will go through, because life is meant to teach us and to be a trial and a learning ground. And that doesn't happen through easy things. We get to pick whether we're going to feel like we were gypped and life was hard and think it's I'm turning back or if we're going to focus on the blessings and the gifts and the miracles and how we've seen the hand of God and that is something we get to choose and so I love in 35 the very last verse are not the very last verses. Now, have we not reason to rejoice? Yea, I say unto you, there never were men that had so great reason to rejoice as we since the world began and my joy is carried away. Man, I hope my joy is carried away. I think God loves when our joy is carried away and what he has done. For he has all power. God has all wisdom all understanding. He is merciful, even to salvation. 36. Now, if this is boasting, even so I will boast. For this is my life, my light, my joy. Yea, blessed be the name of my God, who has been mindful of this people. Yea, I say, blessed be the name of my God. And that is why we rejoice in trial is because Ammon has learned who his God is. He has learned the miracles that God will work in his life. He has learned he can do all things with God who will go before our face and be on our right and our left and bear us up. And I love that he calls him mine. Oh, don't you hope and pray that you can call him my God and have such a personal witness of whose he is. And then I love that it ends with 37. Now, my brethren, we see God is mindful of every people. Not only is he my God, he's yours and he is everyone's and he will do it for all of us. If we do those tools, we pray unceasingly, we repent, we do those good works. And I love that it says he numbereth his people, his bowels of mercy are over all the earth. This is my joy because he's not only my God, but he is everyone's God. And I will give thanks unto my God forever. I love this. And the thought that I had as I read these two chapters was of Sister um, Reeves' comp Reeves conference talk in October of 2015. And it's called Worthy of Promise Blessings. And this so touches me and reminds me of this talk. Sisters, I do not know why we have the many trials that we have, but it is my personal feeling that the reward is so great so eternal and everlasting, so joyful and beyond our understanding that in the day of reward, we may feel to say to our merciful, loving Father, was that all that was required? I believe that if we could daily remember and recognize the depth of the love of our Heavenly Father and our Savior have for us, we would be willing to do anything to be back in their presence again, surrounded by their love eternally, what will it matter, dear sisters, what we have suffered here 
if in the end those trials are the very things which qualify us for eternal life and exaltation in the kingdom of God with our Father and Savior. I think that says it all perfectly well. Amen. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know the Savior loves you.